And welcome to This Is A Man's World, the She Who Dares Wins podcast. It's 2020, folks, and I am so excited to be back. If you're new to the podcast and you're wondering what to expect, well, crazy, funny, and hopefully some entertaining stories from my world of construction over the past 13 years, combined with episodes where I have special guests who are women who are also surviving in a man's world, whether it be in their career or their hobby. We share stories and delve deep into important topics like harassment, pay disparity, and how to handle yourself in a male-dominated field. Hopefully some, if not all of that, tickles your fancy, and you'll stick with us for what I know is going to be an awesome year of podcasts. Welcome to This Is Man's World, the She Who Dares Wins podcast. And this week, my special guest is Bryony. Now, um, I came across to you on Instagram, like many other people, and uh, was intrigued by what kind of work you do. And yeah, so just introduce yourself if you can to my guests and then explain a little bit about um, what it is that you do. Uh-huh. No small <laughs> Exactly. Um, okay, so basically, hi, I'm Bryony. Um, I'm from Wales. I'm from a tiny little seaside town in Wales. Um, I grew up, I went to university, and then I managed to get the world's strangest job. <laughs> um, so I'm currently working in a field that's called marine seismic. Um, basically, where the guys who are looking for new oil or to see how our reservoirs change for the big oil companies. So we're working on a boat. And the boat does six on, six on rotations. So we work for six weeks nonstop. And then I have six weeks off. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. If you want some details about the job, I can go into it. But it's, well, a, bit it's, of a, it's yeah. a bit of a black box job. Yeah, no, let's let's just read, like, read. So what did you study at university? Oh, uh, something completely unrelated, to be honest. I studied aeronautical engineering. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. So how did you end up, um, like, getting this job? To be completely honest, it was the world's happiest accident for me. Um, it was a case of, um, to start with, a lot of people are saying, oh, we need engineers, we're crying out for engineers, which I want to believe, but the evidence that I was seeing was so many people leaving university and not being able to find jobs, despite the fact they had, you know, a bachelor's in engineering or even a master's in engineering. So I started to have those final year panics where I'm thinking, you know, oh, maybe I'm going to graduate and not find a job. Better start applying for absolutely anything I can find that's remotely related to engineering. I'll figure out if I like it later. (laughs) So I just start applying for everything. And out of the blue, I got an interview with, um, back then the company was with Schlumberger, which is a big oil services industry company. And all they told me was there was a field position. And I was like, okay, I'll go to the interview, see what this is about. And then in the interview, they told us about the job, um, how it's on the vessels, how you have the rotation, things like this. And it was this world that I had never looked into before, if I'm being honest. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. I would love to do this. And luckily for me, and really for nothing more than pure luck, I think <laughs> I got offered the job and that's where I've been ever since. <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, the only, um, I suppose, exposure to your world was a similar 
when I finished university, I did geography. And actually, oil rig work um, did come across my path because I ended up doing um, monitoring for drilling, uh, but completely... Yeah, uh, but more um, geotechnical side of things just on um, through uh, the ground. And I looked in, I worked with some drillers who did offshore work and um, they were saying that's where the big bucks is. So I automatically was on Google and I was like, right, uh, <laughs> offshore work. And then, and then I saw like, especially in the UK, I was like, you know, you have to be away from home for so long. And yeah, um, yeah. the thing that scared me was the the idea that you might have to get on like one of those little helicopters across the North Sea. And I was just like, uh. <laughs> but by sounds of it, you just were just like, hell yeah. And, and you just went for it, which is amazing. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm a bit like that. I'm a bit like that. To be honest, the helicopter thought never really, uh, I, that never really crossed my mind. And to be honest, the first time I ever joined a vessel, we went to the helicopter port that's in where is it? It's in New Orleans, and it's the one that I don't know if you've seen it in the movie Deepwater Horizon. That's where they're flying from that heliport, and they even used the the actual women who did the check in there. They were used in the movie, and that was the first place I ever went to join the vessel. And I've seen the movie. I've seen Deepwater Horizon. We all we all know it's a big disaster, right? Yeah. I was so excited. I was like, "Look, I'm in the heliport from Deepwater Horizon. This is so cool," you know. Like for me, it was it was the first time I've been on a helicopter as well, and because I've studied them a little bit. It was yeah. something exciting for me. I didn't fear it. I thought it was just something really, really cool. <laughs> so you ended up going, I get not close to home. Your first, uh, where was your first visit to? You said New Orleans. Where, where Whereabouts were you working? Uh, that was just, it was just off the shore of uh, New Orleans. It was about, um, I can't remember. I think it was about a 45 minute helicopter ride straight out into the Gulf of Mexico from New Orleans. That was the first place I ever worked. <laughs> wow. And, and were you... Um, you know, were you worried about the work when you got there? Or were you just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to give it a go and, and and see if you like it? How how was that like transition from being a student? Because I imagine it's pretty, it, from from what I've seen on your Instagram stories, it's pretty full on when you're working. It's, you know, 12 hour shifts. Um, how did you adapt? Okay, so um, I had no idea. When we first joined the boat, I didn't know what to expect because we have a set training that we do before that. We all go to Abu Dhabi for two months and then they train you up there. They teach you about the technology and you do a week of these shifts to see how it is. But I mean, we're on land, we're in a building. It's different. On the weekends, we can still go out. It's, it's a different kettle of fish. Sure. But I knew I knew what to expect job-wise, I guess, as in what I'd be doing from hour to hour. But I had nothing, no idea what to expect or how it was being on a boat. I didn't even know if I was going to get seasick. So all of these things, I was thinking, wow, okay, let's, let's just go. We'll see how it is. Hopefully, I like it. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't get seasick because that would suck. Yeah, because how do you know unless you, like you say, unless you give it a go, you don't know whether you're going to be sick as a parrot. Exactly. So, you know, I think at this moment in time, joining the vessel, that was my primary concern above everything else because that's going to kill everything, right? You could have these career goals. I'm going to give this a go. If you feel sick, that's it. End of the the story, you know? (laughs) So actually, yeah, the first time I joined, I did get seasick. It was, well, I want to say rough sea, but now I've experienced a lot worse, so it feels stupid to say that. But it was not flat calm seas, about two meter seas. And I felt really, really sick. And I was like, oh no, how am I going to do this? No. Um, but everyone was super nice. They told me, you know, there's obviously different ways you can deal with it. Some people said, eat, drink this, have sugar. I also took some seasickness tablets. And then the next day I felt absolutely fine. Uh-huh. And I could start focusing on the work. And now it was the next step, the next hurdle. Okay, now how do I do this? What do I do? <laughs> 
Um, it was difficult working 12 hours, especially the first few days, it was difficult because um, obviously it's not something that's quite normal. I hadn't done a lot of 12 hour shifts before that, especially once you've done about three in a row, it starts to take its toll. Because right. normally if you do, if you pull a long shift somewhere, maybe you'll have the next day off and you can sleep or, and I'm a bit of a sleep monster, I must admit. So I do like my sleep. So that's what I find the most difficult about everything <laughs> is trying to get the sleep in that I want. But I don't know. I just put my head down. I got on with it. And of course, just you're learning everything in the beginning as well. So there's not a lot of time to sit back and observe everything and really think about all of these things philosophically. You're just really, you know, you're learning how to do your job. You're meeting all these new people. You're hearing all these stories, seeing all these things you've never seen before. And yeah. I just focused on all of these things. Yeah. So you so you're on normally a vessel for what did you say? Was it six weeks at a time? Uh, right now. Uh, right. That's the situation. When I first started, we were actually doing seven weeks on the vessel and then three weeks off. That was very difficult, very, very difficult. But yeah. then, um, yeah, some things changed and now we're doing six on, six off, which is fantastic. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Better. So yeah. you get so you get lots of downtime, I guess. Do you, do you stay in the country um, where you've got the work when you have the time off or do you fly home? What, what's, what's the normal process? Well, that's, just it. that's, that's personal preference, so... I would say more than half of the people I work with, they've all now settled down, they have families, so they're all going home. But then the people who are a bit younger or don't have a family, they tend to stay and travel at least for a week in the country they're in, if not more. Okay. It's a great opportunity, you know. We go to some countries that I would never dream of visiting if it wasn't for my job. So it's a good opportunity to take advantage and see these places that I wouldn't see otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, sure. no, it sounds amazing. And I was just watching um, your little Instagram post of like a day in the life of, of your work. For anyone in the, yeah, it's great. For anyone, um, like, can you explain in layman's terms, you know, if you get up for a shift, what, what is it that you would do on a normal shift? Um, well, we have two, there's two different types of shifts we have. Um, one of them is really easy for me to cover with you guys. You're basically just sat on your bum. <laughs> staring at a bunch of screens because half of my job is monitoring data okay. and I'm just there to make sure that the data is coming in okay to monitor if there's a problem which obviously a lot of the time there isn't in which case I'm just sat there staring hoping that there won't be a problem <laughs> it can be incredibly boring for 12 hours as you can imagine okay. and very very hard on your be your behind <laughs> but then um, there's another type of shift that we have depending on what's going on in what sort of I'll use the word phase like what phase of the job you're in that could be where we're outside working on what we call the back deck, which is when we start doing all the physical work. Um, that can be, so I get up, you come downstairs, you know, you're all tired in the morning, you know how it feels in the morning, have breakfast. Sure. And then I have to go and put all my PPE on, which is the most chosen task ever, especially when you have ridiculous hair like I have. And you have to stuff it inside of a hard hat, which is no small <laughs> task. And then um, you go outside, depending on where you are. Most of the places I've worked, it's either ridiculously freezing or ridiculously hot. I've yet to experience something in between. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. you're going outside and you're sweating immediately or you're going outside and you're freezing to death immediately also. <laughs> um, and then it depends. Sometimes um, what we do is we run the big machinery. We have some big reels which are run with these remote boxes. Um, so you're on your feet for a long time and you're having to focus on tasks that are a lot of the time, mundane, actually. It's very hard to stay focused, especially when inside you're thinking, man, I'm freezing, or man, it's so hot. And it's really easy to lose your concentration for a second, and then this is when things start to happen, you know. So a lot of my job is keeping your focus, um, 
keeping alive, <laughs> keeping your feet alive because they can start crying easily. Um, yeah, that's a lot of it, to be honest. That's a big part of my job. <laughs> And is it, it like it's incredible because like, like again I saw pictures of you when you you've got your PPE on and and you're going into those extreme temperatures. Is it a um, is it a particularly like you say it is a physical job, but is it a dangerous job as well? Is there a danger element to it? Yes, of course. Yeah. It, it can be very dangerous. So, if, for example, even in our company, we've had uh, cases where I, I forget how long it was. I want to say it was like between five and eight years ago. We actually lost someone we lost two people actually in the company um, wow. so it can, it can be very dangerous or there's a lot of accidents that can happen injuries that can happen again right. these all tend to happen when the focus starts to be lost for a moment we're working with a lot of equipment under high tension or there's a lot of ropes coiled on the floor things like this that can catch you or so we constantly have to be aware of where you're stood what equipment you're stood next to you have to think okay if this goes wrong now where am i what's going to happen you know you have to think ahead like that all the time so you need to be um, on your toes pretty much all the time and, and, and alert, which is, um, yeah, I, I suppose it's it's similar to construction, but it sounds way more intense um, what you guys are having to deal with. Life on the vessel and that kind of working environment, I take it there aren't a huge amount of females that do your work or that work on a vessel. Would that be right or am I wrong? Um, most of the time, no. Um, when I first started, actually, I was the in, when they hired me, they hired a bunch of us at the same time. And in this particular intake of people, the company was really trying to boost the numbers of women. So they hired quite a lot of us at the same time, all women. Okay. So when I first joined, I got accustomed to having quite a lot of females on board. The first boat I was on, there was, um, let me think, maybe about eight to 10 of us, I think, all on opposite shifts. On one shift, maybe there'd be like five girls together. Wow, that's um, pretty good. But, I mean, out of a crew of about 60, it's still quite sad, really. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I've been in situations since then where a lot of the time now I'm either the only girl or one of two girls or something like this. So when I think back to those times of five girls, it's like, wow, so so many girls on board everywhere, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, when you think of it as a percentage, it's still a really woefully low number. And what do you think that is? Do you think it's just, um, like you say, you fell upon the job? Do you think it's just not advertise that much or do you think maybe some women wouldn't like the lifestyle um what do you think i would say definitely the advertisement to begin with for example a lot of most of the people i work with have been doing this job for at least 10 years or more right. when you go back to those periods of time of course it was definitely not a job that was really pushed for women or women would like even me and my generation i've never really heard of people doing this type of job or when i was studying it was never like hey why don't you go and work on an oil rig? Even though, as you've said now, that it's where a, a lot of really good money is and it's actually a very good career. It's never yeah. it's never really pushed out there. So, I mean, if you go back 10 years, I can assume that it definitely, definitely was not pushed out there for women. It's seen as this job where the husbands go to the rig and they come home, you know, to the wife kind of situation. So exactly. I would say that's at least half of the problem. And the other half of the problem is maybe women don't want to. I mean, a lot of, my friends who are girls, they've all said to me, I, and they're quite they're quite rough and tough girls, but they still said, I don't know how you do this. I don't want to work on a boat. I don't want to have a bunch of sea slime all over my face and <laughs> things like this. It's just not a job that they see themselves doing, which is fair enough if they don't see themselves doing that. But it's 
you know that's easily said for more for women than men i would i would say yeah and it, and i'm guessing it is it's more than just a decision for a career it's also the decision you've got to make which includes a, a lifestyle because you're away from home um exactly. I imagine your 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 home becomes for the period of time that you're on the vessel that becomes your home and and you've got to be able to uh, um adapt and adjust to that so I think yeah it probably does take a certain I suppose type of person but you've got to be I guess very committed to the job yeah, that's yeah that's, to be honest it requires a complete lifestyle change which again I was unaware of when I started the job now after three years I can sit around and say 100% if I was going to talk to this to anyone about this job that's 100% what I would say that it's a complete lifestyle change because even if you think of something simple now let me give you an example of so I, I'm a single woman if I want to start dating Let's say I meet someone, this is something totally normal, right? You meet someone, you want to start seeing them. Uh-huh. You have to turn around and say, oh, by the way, next week I'm going to a boat full of men and then um, <laughs> I won't be back for six weeks. But then maybe also I'm going to stay another week in that country and travel and then I'll be back. So we'll see each other in like seven weeks. Yeah. Now, if you've only been dating for a few weeks, no guy is going to, he's not going to wait or be just super interested in a woman that he's only going to see every X amount of time, you know? Whereas yeah. for a man, it's normally less of a problem because men have that, they tend to want that period of youth where they sow their roots and they go traveling and it, it doesn't bother them. Whereas for certain, for certain girls, for me, it doesn't bother me, but I know for other girls, it does bother them as well. And a lot of them, they don't travel, they want to go home, but it's the same problem. You know, if you, you want to have your life, you want to start building your life at home and every six weeks you keep having to leave and you miss things, you miss birthdays, you miss events, you, you know. So you have to start really thinking that there's a lot of sacrifices. You're going to miss a lot of things. There's a lot of things you can't be there for. Um, There's a lot of people who won't wait for you or will start to get bored or forget about you because you're not there. So you have to be the kind of person where I think, I think having a home life specifically is very, very difficult with this job. People do it and they're managing fine and that's fantastic. But from my point of view, I see it as something very difficult actually. And there's other people who make it work. So I know some really great ladies in the field um they've had children they come back out they've had they've come back out about um a month and a half after they've had their child and they've come back to the book yeah and they've been doing it for years since their children now have 11 years or things like this and these women they still love it they love the job they love the lifestyle um they like that when they are home they have such a large amount of time with their kids which is 100 percent for them you know six weeks of 100 percent. you have my attention i'm there yeah, the yeah. Back is then there's the six weeks of you have zero percent of me, <laughs> but you know, like for some people that's an acceptable trade off. So, and that also stands yeah. to personal preference, I would say. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, that's that's incredible to hear because I think I like I'm I'm a I guess I say a new mum if I feel like I'm a new mum, but he's almost two, um, <laughs> and uh, I often you know beat myself up about going to work four days a week and and having him one and is what well, you know and then over the weekend and and. I often bring myself around to the fact that, you know, I really enjoy my work and when I am in a good place and I'm, you know, doing good work and then I go home, I'm so much more in tune with my kid and I'm excited to see him. And and, and I think, um, and that's no disrespect to any kind of stay at home mom, because I think what you have to do is what works for you. And that's amazing that those women are able to like, do exactly what it is that they want to do and and it works for them and their family so yeah that's that's pretty 
inspiring to hear that. Um, and also it must be quite nice for you to know that, you know, in the future, if, if you did want to meet someone, if you did want a family that, um, there are other women that have gone before you that have, have made it work. So that's pretty incredible too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I was actually, uh, I was quite surprised when talking to them, especially because the women that I'm using in my example here as well, they're from parts of the world where it's definitely, I mean, it wouldn't be the norm in the UK, right? But I would say the UK is a very progressive country when it comes to gender roles. These ladies are from countries where it's really, really not the one thing, like absolutely the opposite. And they're really, you know, they don't care. They're like, I'm doing this. This is how it is. Like, there's no rules. And I find that super inspiring, like even more so because of where they're from. Yeah. They're really really cool ladies. (laughs) So empowering, like, to... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Amazing. And um, so, like, the culture on board... um, I saw one of your posts. I know we've had a few um, messages backwards and forwards regarding like a, a one of the posts that I put up, which was about experiencing like um, harassment at work and different things. I, I imagine, and this is just my own perception, that on a vessel or on a rig, um, in my mind, it's like male dominated. It, it, it's a harsh, raw um, working environment and uh everything that comes with that what male dominated is that perception right or is it not really um yes it is but i i we're opening a huge can of worms here so i'm gonna try and keep it as concise as i can (laughs) Um, (laughs) for us first of all it's something extra difficult because my working quarters the, the vessel is also my living quarters for six weeks so we have a very, it's a, it's a difficult work environment to explain. I would say the closest thing you could compare it to is like the military because the people you work with also become good friends. You know, I'm, I'm with someone, like I said, sometimes we're there for 12 hours a day, sit, sat on our bum's board. So, of course, the only thing we start to do is talk about anything and everything that exists on this planet, you know? Like, you know those like 3 a.m. conversations you have someone when you're talking about something really random? We talk yeah. about this stuff in work because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> so you get to know the people you're working with, I would say, not, maybe not necessarily very well because you don't see half of their life. But in terms of their opinions and how they think about things, yeah, you start to know each other very well. And sometimes yeah, they become good friends, sometimes not so much. So the work environment is very, very, very different. Um, and trying to tread the line, uh, keep the line between... Mm. certain relationships at certain times can be difficult for obvious reasons so for example I will say off the bat before I start anything else of course there are a lot of um, relationships on these vessels because people are away from home for six weeks like I said people work together especially when you have um, the opposite genders working together and they get to know each other so well it's not inevitable but of course of course it's going to happen and it does happen and most of the time, it's not a bad thing. And the only thing that's funny about it is you're in such small quarters that everybody knows about it. Everybody knows everyone's business. So we could have our own little offshore soap opera, I reckon. <laughs> I imagine if any, if um, if you kind of fall out with a person, uh, or you, or yeah, you start a relationship and then realise that it, it's not for you, then there's there's not many places to escape, right? <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of funny old folklore stories from this in the past as well of people having arguments on the boat and crazy girls going to grab the axe off the wall and banging down someone's door you know there's all these stories there's all these and I'm not sure how real these ones are they're from like 10 years ago but I can imagine that it happens because I've seen some lovers tips on board and 
it can either be really funny for everybody to just observe or it can actually sometimes as well spill over into the work and become quite unpleasant at times depending right. but generally people tend to keep a lid on it and it's just something that's well I'll say in private there's no privacy but I mean it's something that's out of the work um and it's just something extra for everyone to talk about everybody loves a gossip that's just like the nature of things so yeah. that that side of it is um I mean I find that side of it cool funny it's a good opportunity for people to meet people from other countries they would never even dream of talking to or maybe even having some sort of relationship with so from that point of view I think it's really cool and some people even they've got married they've met on the boats and they're now married with kids and that's cool we call them seismic babies because we're from <laughs> seismic yeah <laughs> so you know like there's all these stories and most of them are nice stories or funny stories and you know a good old gossip like I said because that's half of your life right and yeah, yeah so the more the more personal drama the better <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but then there's the other side of things where um, you can get to know quite an ugly side of some people. So, for example, what I struggle with the most out of everything, I think, is the cultural differences. We're working with people from all over the world. Sure. And I'm, I'm working with a lot of specifically men from countries who I think have, generally speaking, have quite a disgusting attitude towards women, whether it's for religious reasons or political reasons or whatever it is. Right. And these men, they have these mentalities towards women since they've grown up as well so the problem is even if sometimes I, my problem is as well I get wound up very easily so if we start to talk about one of these subjects my brain will be saying don't get sucked into this argument just leave it alone but my mouth will already be in the argument because <laughs> I just can't leave it alone but you know the problem with this is and I've seen it time and time again there's no point because like I said these people have 30 40 years old and they've been thinking this way since they were born and they've been raised this way and their opinion will never change no matter what logic I throw at them, no matter how much I break yeah. down their argument. It's just their mentality. And to work with these people um, can be difficult because over all this time together, of course, their opinions on certain to uh, topics such as, um, I don't know, things that get touched upon is always the hot topics on board, I call them, is people's opinions on gay people or opinion people's opinions on women, um, people's opinions on you know cheating on their partners things like this right um obviously these subjects get touched upon and we're in a melting pot of culture with very opposing opinions um some people have very strong opinions and can be quite stubborn as well and that's when it starts to get very difficult at times um especially i would consider myself quite open-minded i'm uh -huh. quite i'm very headstrong you know a woman can do anything why not sometimes i have to work with people who have the complete opposite opinion so I'll give you an example I've been working with a guy once who um he was annoying me from the start I'm not gonna lie <laughs> he uh, every time we were doing something physical um we have to screw some things together like there's a there are two cables so we have to screw them together isn't a simple enough task but sometimes you have to twist the cable and it's not I mean I'm quite a small girl I don't have the biggest forearm strength so sometimes it takes me just that little bit more effort than it would take someone with a bit more strength yeah which is fine I don't mind you know if I go to do it and I go oh oh maybe I need to pull it again from this angle with a bit more strength okay now I can do it you know yeah. that extra effort every time he saw me do that he would come over as if oh she didn't do it the first time she can't do it you know and he would come kind of almost push me out of the way and he would do it so I started getting wound up with this anyway because <laughs> I can do it, you know, I can do it. He's not even giving me a one-second chance. Yeah. Try again, you know. So this starts winding me out, bit by bit, chipping away at me, chipping away every day. And then uh, one day we're just having a conversation 
like he was having a smoke break, I think. So we're just having a chat. And um, at the time, the company was laying off a lot of people and the morale was quite low. Everybody's having a bit of a, uh, a bitch and a moan, if I may say so. <laughs> yeah. um, and he was saying how, uh, oh, you know, I've been doing this job 25 years. If I get laid off, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, you'll be okay because you're still young. You can change your career trajectory. And I said, um, in some ways, yes. But I mean, I've already missed, um, you know, there's new graduates coming out all the time. So they would probably hire a new one rather than someone like me. And he said to me, oh, well, you know, I don't even know why you're here. You can just go home and marry some guy. I was like, <laughs> I just walk away and I say nothing because I was going to yell at him so bad. And I mean, I'm talking about a man here who's like, in his 50s, I think. There's right. actually no point in me yelling at him or saying whatever. Like, he he won't even see what he said was wrong, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. I have to work with people like this sometimes. And they say they, they don't even... It's not even a guarded opinion that they have that they know is wrong. They say it as if, why would I not say this? You know what I mean? Or they're looking at me like, why are you here? You should just be at home. Why, you know, you can't even connect the cables. That this, like, things like this. Uh, oh yeah that can be really wary imagine 12 hours a day for seven days a week for six weeks with a person like that starts yeah. chipping away at your will <laughs> there's no escape I mean I've worked with with guys of similar attitudes but for me I get to go home and moan about them and even you know think oh I'm only on a project with them for like two or three weeks and then I'll move somewhere else and they're, they're not going to be here but yeah. you're kind of like stuck with that and that must um one of the things we we've discussed on this podcast previously is like microaggressions so like little things that happen that over a period of time really great on you and really get down um and, and really yeah they get you down and 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 have um, an effect on you so how do you how do you cope with that like you say you're you're dealing with different cultures and you know you can't change attitudes to a certain extent um do you, do you pick your, do you pick your battles or do you not even go into the battles like how do you manage like your mental health on these issues well you know, I think I'm going to say that's the hardest part of my job because as well, I'm, I'm somebody that's very, um, I'm very affected by the people I'm around, the sort of, I don't want to use the word vibe, but I can't think of a better word. So it's the sort of vibe yeah. on the vessel of the people. Right. With a good group of people, the six weeks can fly by and I wouldn't say I have a good time because we're all at work, but I mean, it's okay. And then other times it can be very tough. So for example, the trip I just came off, I would describe that as one of my tougher ones because okay. I was with quite a lot of people like this. <laughs> And over six weeks, yes, it chips away at me so much. Some mornings I wake up and I just start swearing to myself. Like, uh, I, I swear a lot. I can't, yeah, I'll hold back. <laughs> I wake up like, whoa, one more day here. No, this this again. Like, oh, God. Yeah. And for the mental health, you've just got to find the people who you do get along with. So for me, there was a group of people on this boat that I did really get along with. And I mean, I'm not a quiet person. I've been, I'll even, I know I don't pick my battles. <laughs> like, um. Like I said to you before, I would like to pick my battles and I should pick my battles, but I get sucked into every little argument that goes on because I just can't, I can't hold it back. And the problem I faced as well was some of the guys know this and they start poking me. Right. And I, I, and I can see what they're doing as well. And I still get sucked in, <laughs> which annoys me more than everything that they're saying. I'm more annoyed with myself. I'm like, why, why do you let them suck you into this argument again, you know? For example, there was a guy in this trip who, actually, aside from this topic, as weird as this is going to sound, I would uh -huh. describe him as not a friend, but we get along quite well. Okay. Until we touch upon this specific topic where I would describe him as he's quite a sexist man. Right. Um, and he kept, 
every now and again would say something and every time I would just, well, it, it first started happening and I would just kind of explode. I can't believe blah, blah, blah. Then he started poking the bear with me, calling me a feminazi or, a, you know, a super feminist girl. And I was like, you know, I am feminist, obviously. Actually, I, do, I wouldn't describe myself as one of those women who's too feminist or over-feminist because I, I like a good joke. I can take a good joke. I work with a bunch of guys all the time. I could take a sexual joke occasionally and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm usually the one who throws them out there in the first place. So yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not somebody who's very easily offended. I only get offended if I can see what he's saying is not some sort of joke. It's rooted in some deep fundamental issue that he has, which is true in his case. Right. And then what makes me even more angry about all of this is instead of listening to what I'm saying, his immediate response is feminazi or, you know, as if it, it could be thrown away because to him it's extremism, you know? Yeah. And it just, and like you said, I mean, I'm not getting through to him. That's what's happening there. He doesn't even listen to my opinion. It's not, I can't change his opinion. So he's just thinking I'm a crazy lady who's uh, easily offended all the time. And I know this, but I'll still go every time, every time. And it, it makes me angry and wound up. But I think that's better for my mental health than saying nothing. I can't, I can't bottle it up and let them think that they can just have this opinion and it won't bother me. Like, I need them to know that. I don't care whether they think it's wrong. I think it's wrong and I'm not going to take it, you know? Yeah, I think you sound very kind of similar in personality to me in that I just, some things I just can't, well, the majority of things I just cannot let go, you know, comments or situations that I've been in. Um, so much like I, I fight it to the bitter end. And I think, I don't think it's a bad trait at all. Um, we might get frustrated with ourselves, but we know we're doing it because it's it's right. And going back to the, feminist card the thing that that gets me is like um you know I've had if, if I snap back at a certain comment or explain that something's not right and uh they they'll throw the the feminist card like like you had it and I'm like do you know what like uh, yes I, again I'm completely am a feminist but like I love working with guys the majority of the time and I wouldn't have stuck out 12 years in the construction industry if I hated men. I wouldn't have married a man. I wouldn't I wouldn't have really close relationships with male friends. So I'm like, their argument is completely thrown out. But but for them, it's just something that they know I think they can get under our skin with. I think it's something they can throw out. And like you say, they can they feel like they're putting a fire out with that comment when in fact they're so far from the truth. Um it's it's unreal. Hi everyone, I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. I just wanted to let you know that if you want to connect with me via Instagram, YouTube or Twitter, then you can do by following the links that are in the show notes. You can also check out the She Who Dares Wins shop at www.shewhodareswins.com where you can bag yourself some awesome, uniquely designed t-shirts. As a podcast listener, use the code NEW10 new 10 to grab yourself a 10% discount from the shop today. Comments and incorrect attitudes are one thing. And then there's um, the physical side of things, right? Which for me is any kind of physical thing is then is over the line. Correct. A comment can be over the line, of course, but a physical thing is, without a shadow of a doubt, over the line. Correct. So yeah. what happened with me is I once encountered a guy on a vessel 
And like I said, people are dating or whatever you want to call it on the vessel. It's a given. That's fine. Um, but I was once working with a guy and he started being nice, kind of like just normal nice. And I was like, okay, because it was one of those trips I was having a hard time. So someone being nice I was like, fantastic. <laughs> Finally, someone who's normal. Um, and he started, um, one time we were working together and he starts having a conversation. It was just the two of us in a room. We were doing some inventory. It was like the worst horrible task ever, <laughs> just counting things, you know. But right. we were down in a room where there weren't other people. We're having a conversation. I didn't feel threatened at all being with him there working until he start, um he asked me like, oh, have you ever had a relationship on board? I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> we're going to touch on this subject. Like, fine. I'm not somebody who shies away from these conversations. So right. fine by me. I was like, well, yeah, I have in the past, so I don't have a problem with it. And he was like, oh, um, would you... What did he say? Oh, yeah. He said, would you think of having one with me? And I was like, this is awkward as ass. This is the most <laughs> awkward situation ever. Because I'm quite, in these respects, I would describe myself as very British. It's too, it's so difficult to say to someone at point blank. I'm not yeah. Like, for me, that's just, it sounds so stupid, but I am very, I want, I don't want to say that to someone so harshly. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, no. And I have to kind of tiptoe my answers to, because I still have to work with a guy as well. I don't want to be like, hey, F off, you know. Eyes yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said to him, I was like, oh, you're married. Yes, I have the marriage card to throw at him. He was married and he had a son as well. Yeah. And he said to me, oh, but me and my wife have an open relationship. Um, you know, when we're apart, we date people. We even tell each other about them. She kind of likes it, turns her on. And, you know, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, because I've heard that story so many times where guys say they're in an open relationship. I mean, in reality, what that means is when they're away on the boat traveling, they can see whatever woman they want while right. their wife is at home caring for their child. It's not an open relationship. They're cheating, but they always tell people that, you know. I, yeah. I've seen that so many times. So I'm laughing in my head now, like, yeah, I'm sure you do have an open relationship, you ass. Like, and then... um. Then he was like, yeah, in fact, I've already told her about you. Like, I've been looking at you. I was like, mm. <laughs> Oh, Darian, you're, you're in a close proximity, so there's kind of, like, nowhere to go and such. I, bet oh, it's it's, so I mean, don't get me wrong. I, if I if I want to just get up and leave in a half, I can do that. I mean, there's no, he's not going to stop me, you know, but I don't, I don't want to. I was like, I can extinguish this conversation. I still have hope. So... I said to him, I was like, no, you know, like, no, you're married. That's that's fine if that's your thing, but that's not mine. I don't want to get involved in that. And he was like, okay, but like, would you? And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to start being a bit harsh because, you know, he's not taking the marriage card. Right. <laughs> so I said to him, I'm, like, I'm not going to lie, you're not really my type. So end of the story. And he was like, oh, okay, that's fair enough. He was like, just so you know, I would really like to with you. But he said, you know, that's it. Okay, no problem. And then we keep working. And I was like, okay. That's very grown up. He he tried, right. and I'm not interested. Okay, um, and that was that. And then I come upstairs after we finished, and I was like, "Oh, I'm so happy to be out of that room." Even though it was over, you know, there was that air between us, like, "Oh, it was it was heavy." Awkward, yeah. So then I was okay, and I thought it was over. <laughs> Silly me. So the next day, um, we'd be talking. He was still being nice. I was like, "Okay, he can be a friend. He's dropped that issue now. Not a problem." But then um, this guy, he spoke Spanish. And at the time I was learning my Spanish and he realized that I could understand certain things. Then he started, um, we'd have like a normal conversation. And then in front of 
not everybody, but there'd be some people around. He started saying things to me in Spanish across the room in front of everyone, knowing that they couldn't understand. And he, he was saying things like, I want to bite you or um, I want to do this to you or whatever. Things like that in front of everyone, you know? I didn't want to turn around and be like, what the hell did you just say? Because then everyone around us would know that there's something going on here. Right. I'm, trying act, I'm trying to act like, oh, wow, this is the most uncomfortable thing ever. Nothing happened. I just leave, <laughs> you know? Yeah, this is yeah. where I start to get a bit, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Ashamed of myself. For At this point, I should have said something to someone and said, he's crossing the line. But for some reason in my head, I was like, you know, this guy was leaving in a week. And I told myself, he's going to be gone in a week. I just have to keep away from him and then I'll never see him again. Problem solved. Yeah. But things start escalating from there. So um, he keeps on with this this theme. He won't let it go. I'm like, for God's sake. like, I, And I'm constantly saying no. Not one point in time did I say I've changed my mind. You on my time, you know. <laughs> yeah, and he keeps yeah. doing these things to the point where, um, in the final days on board, he started. Uh, every time I was doing something, and someone would say, "Oh, can somebody go help?" He'd be like, "I'll go help," and I'm like, "No." Oh no. <laughs> and uh, luckily for me, in one of these instances, someone else came to help as well. Someone who was one of the other guys who had a horrible attitude towards women. And I didn't actually like him, but I was like, yes, please come be a witness if, in case it's necessary. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. We were working together, passing boxes to each other. And um, this guy, we were in like making a chain, a human chain. Right. And I was in the room, I was the last for the chain, so I was getting the box and putting it on the shelf. And this guy, every time he start handing me the box, he starts to like try and stroke my hand every time he passed me the box, you know. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is so uncomfortable, horrible. But that other guy who was helping is right there. And the same thing, for some reason, I didn't want to make everyone else aware of what was going on. I don't know why. It was just for me, like, oh, just oh, stop touching me. But stop doing it, sick, yeah. You know? So I keep doing it. And his hands start, he start trying to stroke more and more, like start to stroke part of my arm. And I was just like stepping away from him bit by bit so that he couldn't reach. And, and then every time he would like come a bit closer and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> This is the what is wrong with you like what is wrong with you stop touching me and then after all of that the last day on board um i was going to the gym every day here and there was two guys who were going to the gym every day as well this guy in particular never went to the gym and on our last night on the boat i come downstairs to the gym and he's there with the other guys i was like thank god these other guys are here because this guy never comes to the gym and i know 100 percent why he's there yeah and i was like you know I, obviously, I had absolutely zero desire to then work out with him there. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to skip my workout because of this asshole. And he's going tomorrow. So I was like, screw it. I'm going to work out. I'm not going to let this guy ruin my workout. So uh, I'm doing my thing. Normally, what would happen is halfway through my workout, the other guys would finish. So I'd be on my own. And I was like, I really hope that he leaves with them. Because he was there under the guys that he was working out with them. He came with right. them. I was like, let's hope they all leave together, you know? Halfway through my workout, sure enough, they left and he stayed. And I was like, oh. Oh, Sounds like a bad movie, yeah. It it is a horrible movie, isn't it? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) and everybody I've told that this happened, like the good guys on the boat, I've told them this story and they can't believe that things this bad happen, you know? They always think that it's just the comments and they don't realise that this stuff's going on. And I'm like, yeah, it is actually. So anyway, um, I'm in the gym. My first half is normally cardio. That's fine. Then I like to do a bit of weight. Uh, I'm one of these girls. I don't know why. I'm a bit shy when I do weight. I don't like to do it in front of guys. 
So at this point in time, it's just—it's not just AI. It's this guy, and I was like, "Oh, I have to do my weights, and he's there. Why? Why is this happening?" But then I was like, "You know, same thing. I'm not gonna let him stop me. I'm doing my workout." Yeah. So I'm in doing my workout, and I can see him in the mirror behind me, and he's just watching. And I'm like, "This is the worst thing ever." And even as I went to get a different weight at some point, he said something like, "Oh, you look so hot when you do that." I'm like, "Please stop talking to me. <laughs> like, stop." And then finally he gave up and went to leave before I finished. I was like, yes, he's leaving. I can't believe it. <laughs> and then he said to me before he went, he said, so what would you do if when you went back to your cabin, I was in your cabin? And I was like, I just said to him point blank, I said, don't go to my cabin. And he was like, yeah, but like, what would you do? Trying to have like a, you know, playful face as if I wanted it to. And I said, don't go to my cabin. Not smiling, nothing, you know, like really don't go to my cabin. Yeah. And he was like, okay. And he stopped leaving. And then he turned around and said, but what would you do? I was like, I'm, I'm being serious. Do not go to my cabin. And then he just left kind of smiling still. And I was like, oh my God, when I go back to my cabin, is he going to be there? You know, like, what am I going to do? That's really scary. Uh, yeah, that was actually, because I honestly, I was like, what am I going to do? I start thinking, what, what's my move here? You know, yeah. So I go back to my cabin I opened the door slowly. I'm like, is he in there? My God. I couldn't see him anywhere. I checked everything. I checked the water. I checked the bathroom, which is ridiculous, right? I don't think a man on the boat has ever had to check his room to see if there's something there. I literally had to do that. And he wasn't in there. And I slammed the door shut and I locked the door. And the next day he was gone. And I was like, oh my God, like that huge weight was lifted. And I don't hide the story. Like, Like I said, I've told the guys that I work with that happened and they're all really surprised. But what I never did was I never went to the manager and said, actually, look, this is happening with this guy. Yeah. Because I figured he's a slime ball, but there was that element of he has a wife and a son and I didn't want to get him in trouble and maybe he would lose his job because I was too, maybe too shy to say no a bit more forcefully. You know what I mean? Maybe I could have been a bit more F off, get the F away from me and don't touch me ever again in front of everyone. That probably would have put a stop to things, you know? But I didn't do that. And then I don't want to go to management and maybe the guy lose his job because I, I didn't want to say anything. So yeah, I, just everyone, but I think, you know, when it comes to that point where there's touching or you, you're afraid that somebody's going to be hiding in your cabin, I mean, I probably should have said something. And that's the one thing that brings me shame, that one time. But well, least, I, I just say, Bridie, like, say, like you're... Um, yeah, that 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 feeling of shame is is something that so many women share, and we I think it's we often put it on ourselves, don't we? Like we say, we kind of think what we should do, but at the end of the day, we're not the you know <laughs> you were the victim. Um, yeah, yeah and, and you can look at it as far like you could. And it's difficult, isn't it? Because you know, with comments and stuff and and physical things, you could look at it in retrospect and think, well, if I go and make a complaint he didn't actually do anything but the reality is all those little steps like it, it like and I said it sounds like a bad movie it's it's he's been a bit of a predator and it's just yeah, something we shouldn't, yeah. we shouldn't have to deal with whether whether someone's done something or not or if they've just had a little bit of intent but not followed through with it we shouldn't have to deal with that shit like yeah, for, yeah. I mean, for me the moment he crossed the line was after we had an adult discussion about it where yeah. I said I'm not interested yeah, exactly. In the end of the topic, you know, where he crossed the line was when, like you said, literally like a predator, he keep keep trying, going. Yeah. He, he keep trying to see where he can end up. 
that's where he started crossing the line, whether it was just the comments or the touching, both of them from that point on was across the line, 100%, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because then you think, it, like I'm thinking, you know, what if he'd have stayed on the boat with you for an extra couple of days? Like, would it have turned, you know, into something, you know, like pretty horrendous? You just don't know, do you? And, and you don't know, like, people's personalities. And like you said, I think, I'm guessing things, relationships are heightened in the situation that you're in because, like you say, you're, you're together all the time. Um, yeah. And people perhaps do things that they wouldn't necessarily do if they were going home. I, d- I don't know whether that's the case, but it, it, it makes you think, like, in, I kind of have this weird feeling in my stomach. I'm thinking, oh, my God, like, how do you protect yourself in that situation? Obviously, you um, you sound like you're very aware and um and you know you have the ability to stand up to yourself to to a certain extent you know you can't obviously foresee anyone's poor behavior um but yeah it's um it is a worrying situation and like you say it only takes that one time for that person to get away with it and then you know could they then go on and and do it to to other women and it is really difficult this is the one conversation that I have with a lot of women is there's, there's tons of stuff I've never reported. Um, and you, you always have this assessment, don't you? If you like, could that person, like you said, could he lose his job? And then you, you, you take that on board personally. Then you think, is it worth me opening up this can of worms? Because a lot of women that, that do um, talk about these issues, they get they get moved onto other jobs and other placements. And it's almost like they were the problem. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It really is hard. And that's why um, I opened up on Instagram and, and so many people have come forward and shared stories similar to yours. And just by having this conversation, I'm just trying to, you know, um, like you, just trying to figure out, you know, what what it is that we should be doing, like how should we tackle these situations and, and make sure it's something that women, you know, like in 10, 15 years, I hope sooner, but someone like yourself that works on a vessel ne- never has to deal with with this issue and, and there does need to be a massive culture shift in these male dominated industries how we do that I'm still yet to figure it out um I guess yourself as well but yeah it's uh I was, yeah thanks so much for sharing that story because um just by you know, sharing it um it's gonna help a ton of women out there that maybe have been in similar situations yeah so, yeah. I don't think I can do it and recognize where maybe I didn't do the right thing so that if it happens to them, they can think, okay, this is happening to me, but I should do this instead of not saying anything or, you know what I mean? Speak yeah. up a bit more. Yeah. If it does that, then that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't beat yourself up about it. You know, I probably would have done the exact same thing. Um, yeah. I, it, it's it's one of those, isn't it? And in, he, in the heat of the moment, always on reflection, you think, oh, I should have done X, Y, Z, but sometimes you, it's a bit of um fight or flight and you just react the way that you, you think you should so yeah it's, it is interesting um yeah thanks so much for that and um, I mean I always like to do the good the bad and ugly on this podcast um but I think we should uh end on a on a positive note um oh, fantastic. <laughs> so yeah let, let's get let, let's let's just do a full circle and if there's someone out there right now, a girl who's on, I don't know, aeronautical or any kind of engineering <laughs> or or even if they're not doing a degree or whatever and, and and they've listened to this podcast and they think, oh my God, that's interesting. Perhaps that's something I'd love to do. Um, 
what what would you say to them and um what would you do to to encourage them into into the job that you've got oh i would just say that oh let's think all the good things i love about my job is why i keep doing it so even that story don't get me wrong it it was a crap but (laughs) it doesn't get me down i don't let it get me down i don't think about it going oh you know what a bleak time of my life none of that i just think if i see him again i'm just gonna tell him he's a what he is <laughs> yeah. not from anywhere and uh and move on with it because I'm not somebody that lets those things bother me so primarily to any girl who thinks that this is the job for them they need to be the same they need to be someone who can they need to be headstrong and brush off people like this because if not yes imagine that all of these things would get you if I wasn't somebody that can just brush it off so that's step number one and step number two is be sure that um again I think maybe especially in your early years where you're doing this career that building a stable home wherever you're living is not your priority number one either because I think that that has to come as something secondary which is fine because there's loads of people out there who don't want to do that me included so and then for these people the industry is fantastic because I've met so many people from all over the world great friends I've got great friends everywhere to the point where now all of my friends that I've met through other means always comment, you know, because I'm saying I'm going to this country and I'm going to stay with a friend or I'm going to go to that country and stay with a friend. And they're always like, do you have friends everywhere? And I'm like, yeah, I do now actually, literally everywhere. And they're getting married and they're having a wedding in this country, inviting me there, like come to my wedding here. Wow, these experiences are something I would never have had if it wasn't for my job, never. And apart from the social aspect of it like that, also the work, I love that I'm doing something that I can put on Instagram and show other women, hey, look at this badass job, super cool. I can totally do it. There's no aspect of my job that I can't do because I'm a woman and I'm doing it fine. And there's other plenty cool kick-ass women doing it as well, even with families at home, you know? And I love that I'm in an industry where I can say that. I love I love being actually sometimes the only girl on board because uh-huh. then I can get the point of view of how it is to feel like that clearly to people you know if I wasn't in that position I won't understand it so well how difficult it is for other women or I won't be able to have such a platform to describe how it is to other people or even to the men like I said those guys who are nice guys who I've told these stories they're surprised and I think if I wasn't there so headstrong to tell them they would never know that these things are going on so it's good as well that the guys are aware that these things are going on so I really like the position I'm in right now. I love it. I think it's a great, imagine having a job where you're traveling everywhere. You know, your job is bucking the trend. Uh-huh. You know, your job is promoting what a woman can do for everybody. Exactly. And I love it. I love it. I really do love it. Even though there's all this stuff that goes on, all the good things heavily outweigh all the crap things, like a million to one. So I would just say, go for it. Don't have any fear. Don't, don't let the fear of a helicopter ever stop you. <laughs> uh, you know, these jobs are really, really interesting and there's a lot of different facets in them, especially on the rigs as well, like the whole oil and gas industry as a whole. I think it's a really interesting industry. Um, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for women uh, and men also, I like, but especially for the women to really get the, the gender numbers up. Yeah. yeah, and that's what it's all about. I mean, i got to say to everyone, I'm going to put a link down in the description down to your Instagram. Um, but yeah, I... Oh, I was, 
Yeah, well, I, I like it. Your pictures are amazing. Your story is incredible. You are really helping to inspire the next generation of of girls looking to get into um, into the industry. And like you say, uh, there's a platform there and um, you're doing an amazing job. So I want to wish you the best of luck and I hope we stay in touch. I know we probably will because um, I feel like friends like you have friends all over the world and I guess in a weird way so do I through Instagram <laughs> which is a nice thing but I'm I'm intrigued to continue to follow your story as well and um yeah I think listeners will take so much away from this podcast it's been amazing so I just wanted to say thanks so much for giving me time I know um we fit this podcast in uh because you are off to another country is that right uh, I'm going on Friday and I'll be away for a month so I'll be quite okay. useless to contact in the next month and where, where are you heading? I'm going to Argentina to visit some friends and pass the Christmas no, there yeah nice so you sold it to me already and I just got to ask this question <laughs> what part of Wales were you from? I'm from a town close to Flethley if people know that um, the closest town you'll probably hear of is Swansea close to Swansea oh, okay. a little bit away from Swansea yeah, I, I have been to Lillefe. Oh, yeah? I think so. Or something else? <laughs> no, I'm sure. Like I've done a fair bit of Wales because I've I've worked, um, I've done like Merthyr Tidville. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, like the Gower Coast. And yeah, and I've worked with a lot of companies um, that have been based in Wales as well, Northern Wales as well. So um, yeah, uh, it's nice. It's cool. So you're not too, even though you're the other side of the world, like um, <laughs> you're actually not that far from, me, from your hometown. Yeah, I've kind of cool. renounced my Welshhood a little bit. I don't even have yeah. the accent. You don't, you don't, yeah, you don't really have, I, I was expecting the Welsh accent, but it's, um, I guess it's now more multicultural. Oh, you know, I had to abolish that years ago. Before I even took this job, I had to abolish it when I went to university in England, because even in England, people can't understand you, or you're greeted with instant sheep remarks, and it's just like, you know what, I'm just going to start watering down my accent, <laughs> and it's good. it's a good thing I did, because coming offshore, working with people all the people I deal with every day, English is their second language. So right. to have some sort of regional accent is a big no. Like, it doesn't help them at all. I've even yeah. learned to Americanize my accent, which I do hate. I hate with all my passion. No offense to any American listeners. <laughs> You're all great. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah I, I hate that I'm losing my Britishness a bit. But it's necessary, you know? But, yeah, yeah that's, that's the reason for losing my Welsh accent. <laughs> yeah. um, makes sense. Completely makes sense. Right, well, um, thank you so much and have an incredible safe journey. Um, oh, thank you so much. And thanks for having me. Really, no, really it's, been, it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs>